You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that can't pay you, but will be great for your CV. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is prolific writer and performer, Daniel Wade. Daniel, how's it going? How you doing, Katie? You well? Do, do I call you Katie or Mannequin? This is the, I feel like I just I call you Katie to exposing Batman or something, you know? <laughs> no, you can, you can call me whatever you want as long as you call me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, 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 so the one idiot in the Batman uh, film where he just walks in. Hey, Bruce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the walls are being torn down here today. <laughs> Sorry, so, what? Daniel, you have quite a few kind of industries under your under your belt. You do what is it? Theater, poetry, spoken word, yeah. film, radio, television scripts, all that kind of stuff. How uh, how did you get into all that? I think a chancer is probably the best, the best kind of the thing. But having a brass neck is really probably the, the, the best answer. But um, I mean, you say I'm doing all that, but I'm, I'm kind of I'm attempting really. It's more the, the the more accurate one. And occasionally, I you know you just I fire on all cylinders, and then hopefully something hits something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, well, but I, I do try to I enjoy writing in different um in different mediums because it's a bit like um it's a little bit like. I suppose working out because you're kind of keeping different muscles um, active, really. And uh, what I always liked about I started out writing stories when I was a kid, say like from one, 10, 12 years old. And then I started, uh, I got into poetry in my mid teens, mostly because of, uh, because of a girl I fancied. And then, uh, you know, that, that rather than doing the sensible thing, which would have been to shut her up, I said left poems in her locker like an idiot. And um, being a fairly acne prone and not very confident uh, teenager, this you can imagine how this went. So, so that so that didn't happen. But out of it, I came. Oh, actually, I've got a bit of a facility for language. Um, let's let's see where, where we go from here. So I just did that, and I, I was always a voracious reader, and uh, kept reading away. Then I studied uh, journalism and English lit in college, as you, as one does, and then um, I just kept going. I was, I did a when I was around um, in twenty fifteen. Uh, I had several things happen all at once. So I had a radio play on in the. Um, in the uh, on Dublin South FM, and then about a month after that, I I won the Hennessy Award in the in the Irish Times, which was which was great. And then um, and I just kept at it, and then uh, kept getting more and more things published. And then only uh, two months ago, a radio play of mine was broadcast on RTE, and then won a silver at the New York Festival Awards. And wow. here we, and then before I could go out and celebrate, a uh, lockdown hit. So. <laughs> That's the curse, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and as everyone was saying, I thought this, I really thought this was going to be my year after just, you know, hacking away at the cold face. Now, then they, then they say, yeah, lads, uh, stay indoors. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many people I've talked to so far that, that have similar stories of, it was going to be my year, it was going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> but it really was. We meant it this time. <laughs> <laughs> What's what Mark Simpson says, all you can do is laugh. It's a <laughs> <laughs> and then she sat there stone-faced. <laughs> so just speaking of the lockdown, how, how in particular has it affected your work, you know, apart from you were going out to celebrate? Well, I was, uh, 
Well, you know, the last part of what I do really is me just sitting, uh, staring at a laptop, occasionally mumbling to myself and um, hopefully getting a few words out if I'm lucky. Um, so really, it's uh, lifestyle-wise, doesn't change that much. I'm still here in my my uh, my room, which is more like a lion's den than any kind of human habitation. <laughs> books everywhere, and um, books. Uh, there's definitely wildlife somewhere, although I hope not. And uh, <laughs> so, and um, so has, lifestyle-wise, hasn't really changed. I've just been still here, right, fevering away, really. Um, but I, and that was kind of my. So it hasn't really changed that much. I mean, I, I did have a lot of I did have a lot of readings coming up. I was meant to be in uh, down in Cork at the in March. I was meant to be in um I was meant to be going out to uh where was it um Salins in July. Not and everything just got cancelled all at once. And then I, I could feel bad about it, but were it not for the fact that all my mates and no doubt with people in common here, actors, models, writers, musicians, musicians in particular, uh, everything just stopped. Mm-hmm. All job all jobs were coming up just stopped and that's the, the the worst part and um i think my friend uh, graham coughlin is a great actor and photographer he did a he had a whole he had a big play coming up in the project art center and that was that was stopped immediately and that was and you kind of everybody just ah uh, it, was, it was like mass shutdown you know mm-hmm. um, well uh on the plus side though because i forced myself to be an optimist at the best of times so <laughs> <laughs> one of the choice that we got really <laughs> and uh, I decided to, I just kept writing away so I've been quite I've been trying to just keep myself productive because that's really the best the best way I have of just staying sane really you know if I ever was sane for uh, from at all so <laughs> there you go yeah so so you're getting a lot of work done now then are you yeah I mean you mentioned also film and tv I mean working with um some filmmaker Shane Collins who uh is a great filmmaker and he we've been working fairly solidly for about a year on different things and and again going back to flexing different muscles you know i'm not a comedy writer by any means i wasn't even a film writer but i've had to force myself to kind of learn the grammar of of filmmaking and and even i mean we're even working on a sitcom as we speak and i'm kind of (laughs) i've never written a sitcom before but then i had to go and and then i had to sit down and actually watch a whole lot of things and just not like faulty terrors obviously and then the office and all these all these great comedic shows and I realized how actually tightly written they are it's fantastic and it's really difficult to do and it's really hard to be fully really and so it's my first time but you know and it's it was something new I had to do and I kind of I've been forcing myself out of my comfort zone really for the last the last month as it were just it's all an attempt to stay sane really (laughs) I think uh, a lot of people are in the same boat in that you know they kind of when the lockdown hit they couldn't do the things that they were already doing so that they had yeah. to diversify and, and try new things yeah and in a way it's it's funny because i think we were talking about this uh, earlier on i think um for a lot of us this is kind of the job anyway you know and i've, uh, I've i don't i don't really feel everyone should think this way but for my own um i suppose for my own uh, again the bulwark things i kind of i tend to just view things as the job you know when things happen like I'm, I'm used, I've been, I looked in my inbox and it's just rejection after rejection of stuff I sent out with the occasional acceptance, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of my, and that, that's been my life pretty much for the last 15 years. <laughs> and I've kind of just gotten used to the unpredictability of the whole thing and, you know, having things cancelled and having things, and someone, someone making a promise that, that turns out too good to be true. And, you know, I've kind of just, I'm a bit more, I like to think I'm a bit more steeled about it. I mean, I got a rejection on it yesterday for a short player roast and I was gone. 
God damn it. But you, you, you kind of just, okay, grit your teeth, carry on. And that's that's my approach anyway. Whether that's for everybody, I, I don't know, but it's it's kept me going so far. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that comes with the territory is that you're going to get more no's than yeses, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, I, I, to, I, I gave a talk back in January at a, at a secondary school. And again, I was really nervous because I'd never really done this before. And I was talking to... I was talking to teenagers and I was wondering, um, am I, and I, it was the first time I realised, yeah, I'm getting old. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what was cool when I was, when I was 15, probably definitely isn't now, I, I would guarantee. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't cool at 15, so I'm probably definitely not, not so now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was, one of them asked me, like, what, what advice would I give? And the first thing I said was, develop a thick skin, because honestly, if you're serious about it, you're going to get a lot of no's. It's it's what happens, and it's the, and it's the job, and it's kind of like I was talking to this uh, this a colleague of mine. I won't say he's a friend, but uh, he's a he's a guy I work with on occasion. I won't say who, but mm-hmm. he um he kind of shocked me once by saying that he never sent stuff out because he couldn't take the rejection, and yet he had a nearly had a he had a book published, and I was kind of and he saw the look I gave him. I was kind of going, "Are you serious? Like you never? It's like wanting to be a boxer and not wanting to get hit. It's just uh, it doesn't make <laughs> it makes no sense to me." But you just you have to do it. It's unpleasant, of course, but you have to do it. And uh, and it's easy for me to say because I've 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 been at it for this long. But it's it is if you're starting out, that's the that's I think something you should do. Just be prepared for the nose and the predictability. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a model, I mean, have you found it to be the same? It's, oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've submitted you know things to magazines, photo shoots, and stuff like that, and I think I've yeah. yet to have a single one actually be accepted. Very good. <laughs> yeah and it's and, and, and there's a crushing sense of resignation <laughs> <laughs> which which is funny though because you know pe- people I work with they would submit you know they might have submitted shoots that I would have worked on and you know they get accepted yeah. but what am I doing wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and really there is and often there, there really isn't anything you're doing wrong but there's always there's so many factors out of your control so it's kind of an interesting thing as I said just kind of clenching your fists and carrying on I mean but um, again I mean going back to the comfort zone one of the best things that has happened I mean I primarily work in prose fiction and poetry that's kind of what I want to do I, want, I love narrative and I love language and always have and um, but I got into plays and uh, and Kean O'Callaghan directed my first play on the um, on, I believe Kean was on the first episode of this podcast and he mm-hmm. uh, what, what was amazing was that when we did team up to do that play it was kind of a, it was a new thing for both of us because it was my first time um, doing theatre. I mean, I thought I'd acted in I had minor roles in school doing kind of amateur productions, but I'd never really, this was a full scale professional, professional production. And of course I was, and I, and I got a lot wrong with the production, but we, we will hopefully, hopefully have the sense not to repeat any mistakes <laughs> that were made. And for Keen, I mean, Keen was kind of, it was quite a dark play for him. It, was, it talked about masculinity and suicide and, you know, gang violence and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, for Key and Keen had done fairly I won't say I won't say lighthearted, but they were they were they were more comedically based. So mm-hmm. it was new, new for him and then as a result we got we got a rave review of the Irish Times. So that was that was our that was our kind of we did it, you know. We but, made uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> now give us money. <laughs> but, but um and then Keen since gone on to do uh, I mean he did um he did school for dinosaurs at Smock Alley, which was even more ambitious and even more I'd imagine a challenge to do on a technical basis, and um, 
you know, and what I learned from doing that with him was that as a writer, ultimately branching out to these different things, into television and radio and, and attempting to do film as well, what you're doing is you're collaborating with lots of different people and you're collaborating with, and you have to fundamentally understand that it is a collaborative endeavor, I think. And so you have to, so you have to be willing to make compromises and then also stand your ground when you know it's, it's, it's for the best. Um, and that's, and I'm sure musicians, playwrights, actors, and models, of course, I'm sure this, it's no, it's no different. You have to kind of work with different personalities and different um, aesthetics of doing things, I'd imagine. And um, when I was, I think we, we worked together on a, we, we did a table read of a play and that was a, and that was about kind of, I think, trying to manage different kind of expectations of what people wanted, even if it was just a table read. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a great experiment to, to do it because I, we had to see, well, does this play work? Does it actually hold water? Does it actually have, will it actually hold up when finally put on stage, you know? So that's the, that's the, um, something I've had to learn and hopefully I've, I've, I've got to go with it. I mean, it's not a, I like to think my, my ego's firmly, it's um, healthy enough that I can, I can operate in that regard. So mm-hmm. that's, that's hope. And once quarantine lifts, I haven't gone entirely mad. I'm like Mr. Burns, you know, with the first moose. So, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if I end up like that, I mean, that's the, that's, that's I'm only myself to blame, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny you say that. I was only watching that episode yesterday. That's <laughs> uh, a classic. <laughs> as as kids, we just thought, oh look, Mr. Burns being hilarious, and as Alfie realized, no, that's our fate. <laughs> <For a lot laughs> well, that that's it, and a lot of a lot of creatives like ourselves, you know, we do, you know, sometimes we're used to really working with other people, and sometimes we're used to working yeah. in solitude. But I think this, the last, you know, two months or whatever it's been, has been very much solitude, and I think we're all <laughs> going a bit stir crazy at this point. <laughs> yeah, even I, 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 I I'm as, as I say, as I said on all these collaborations, but I, I consider myself quite a bit of an introvert as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so it's kind of not. It's but even, even I'm starting to feel the edge as well, and it's kind of, you know, I mean, I think I think someone said that the uh, this whole quarantine business, it's a bit like, um, you know, the apocalypse set to easy set to easy mode. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> like uh, it's uh, the. And you know, you think all, all the things that zombie movies got wrong. One of them was a whole cohort of people denying that there's a problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and to, to, to finally go on out and all this kind of thing, and, and you're, it's a, it's a very, it's a very surreal time, I think. But again, I mean, going back to silver linings, I mean, I've got a lot done. I've got, I've got a whole rake of poems, a whole new, new rake of poems published as well. And it's, that's a kind of, I know a lot of people are feeling the, the edge, and I've, I've. I realise it's it's probably not the best thing to kind of boast about how how productive you actually are being. I've noticed it's not like it's not now's not the time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, when things were probably and I use the word I use the word uh, with some hesitation. Normal. It's uh, it was a lot more. I think um, you be on you see people on Instagram. You know, lads just flex, flexing their muscles, going you know keep your friends close and your frenemies closer and all this kind of stuff. And, you just go, and you're going. All you've done is just go to the gym. That's not you haven't t- you haven't cured cancer here, you know. But it's and and to do to do that now would be it even it's bad taste then, and it's, it's even a worse taste now to boast about how well you're doing. I feel <laughs> so. I don't know. Maybe you disagree. <laughs> no, I mean it. I suppose it's different for everyone in the in the sense that yeah, like I I kind of hid away for maybe the first month of lockdown, and I was like, nobody must know that I'm not being productive. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
you've got to this got the point where people are no longer saying they're going to learn the violin or speak or speak Mandarin or, or, or get a degree in economics because everyone's going. We don't have. What, what, is it, what does that say about our society that that when the world goes into lockdown, everyone feels they have to, you know, be the next Rembrandt? It's a, mm-hmm. like what, what what does that say about how about where we are? It's a I, I don't know. I'm just a, I'm just a guy with internet connection. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, this this is the thing that like we we do struggle with is that you know if you're not being productive, you're not creating something, you're not contributing, and you're therefore you're not being valuable, you know. Yeah, and to that I say, I've heard it all before. I work, I'm a writer. My entire life been told I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's sure up. The worst is yet to come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and on that ominous note, let's move on to some some happier topics. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, why, why don't you why don't you tell us a bit about your? Because you mentioned that you've done spoken word poetry as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And I even just, yeah, I've, uh, when I was a kid, I always wanted to. I was fascinated by by the marriage of, of both spoken word and, and music as well. I was always I don't know what it was. I just thought it was a great it was a great little combination. It's almost like song, but it's a certain thing as well. And, uh, you know, I come from a family of musicians and, you know, I'm kind of the, my, my, my dad, my sister and my mother, they all, they all play. My mother sings, my dad's a piano technician. And uh, if you need a piano tune, guys, it's uh, Paul Williams telling me. <laughs> it's, uh, and, um, and of course, I myself was a fanatic, fanatic by music growing up and still am. And uh, I was always just amazed by how certain how how, how uh, I suppose what's the word how adaptable language can be with music and so when I was about um about four years ago I released my first album uh, Embers and Earth which was uh, a hodgepodge of different musical styles and everything from you know jazz to rock to even at one point um, EDM which was interesting <laughs> <laughs> It was a spoken word piece about, about boxing of all things, and uh, it distorted my voice, so I sounded like a like a trainer yelling at at, uh, at someone working out. So it was, uh, and there was this this uh, electronic beat behind, and I thought, well, that's 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 one more thing off the bucket list. <laughs> so, and um, my friend uh, Justin, who uh, I'm co- who I co-wrote the play with, uh, Musos, and um, Justin wrote the music for a lot of the tracks on that album. As well as my father as well. It was a real, it was a real mix of different, different uh, musicians. Anyway, all bringing their certain their styles. And uh, if you want to check it out, it's on Spotify. But um, I again, I mean, I, I, for all for all that, I'm not a musician myself. You know, I'm not. I, I can't tell you the first thing about you know chords or any of that kind of thing. I mean, when I when I had a few inside me, I start singing, but <laughs> not very well. But uh, it's uh, but um, aside from that, you're kind of. Well, I, I just show up with the words. Hopefully, the words pass muster, and the music can can flow around them. That's the that's generally the hope. I just trust whoever I, I work with of that capacity to kind of work their magic. You know, I don't try to impose any kind of um any kind of system on them. I just let them. I'm happy to just let them do their thing. I mean, if they're if I'm working with them, take it as a given. I trust them to do what they're what they're doing, and hopefully make some magic happen. That's the. <laughs> He very ineloquently says. <laughs> I'm always fascinated about when you know when you talk to people about what they do and they're so humble about it, you know. <laughs> and just even reading your bio, you know, you see all these places where you've been featured and awards you've won, and then you, you get on the podcast and you go, "Yeah, I just bring the words." 
Well, I do, and that's the that's that's pretty much it. And I, you know, hopefully the the voice when necessary, and then it'll just shut up and let the let whoever's standing to my right just do their solo and let them, you know. But that's the that's kind of the that that's the very unglamoured unglamorous side of it. Um, where people people often ask, I mean, and, and maybe you get this as well. I mean, it's kind of because I mean, you're 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 immensely creative with um, and how you're approached to modelling. I mean, I don't know the first thing about body paints, but that's the that's one of the, the you know immediately. Yeah, that's mannequin blue right there because nobody else does. <laughs> nobody else I know uses colour that way, and it's uh, especially especially in photography. And I I just go that's the. I don't know about you, but I think you even said in the the episode prior to this that you know you might spend five hours. Uh, getting yourself ready for a shoot, and then you, then it only takes about twenty minutes. So you have to go home, and wash it all off again, and you're going. And people would say, "But how did you manage to do that?" And and you might say, "Well, I I just I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just bring the paint." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I I drink the coffee, then I do the stuff. <laughs> but but it really, I mean, the story I love repeating. It's it's um. It's about Stravinsky, the composer. People often ask him, you know, Maestro, where do you get all your, your where do you get, where does the inspiration come from? And, and he'd say, do you get it when you're, you know, watching the sunrise in the morning? Do you get it when you're walking through the forest in the dark? Do you get it when you see the waves crashing off the off the, the coastline? And he said, I get it at the piano. You know, that's the, I get it while I'm sitting at the piano working. And that's kind of my, that's my general attitude too. And I mean, just, just sit down and try and force something out of you, you know? I wouldn't call myself especially, especially imaginative or creative or visionary in any way because, you know, it's never, people always say they wait for the inspiration to come and I just don't think that's any use, you know. I, to the extent that I, I uh, when someone, someone met, I, I never bought into the idea of the uh, muse, for example. I don't believe in the muse or the concept of the muse. I don't really put much faith in it mm-hmm. because it's kind of a, it's a very, uh, I think we're, <laughs> someone liking the muse to be, I think it was Nick Cave, he likened the muse to being like a, I fired her because she wouldn't show up for, she never showed up for work. So I, I fired her, but it's, um, I never even went that far. I just thought, I don't, I don't really believe in the muse as, a, as an imagination. Like I wait for the muse to strike. I just think it's a waste of time. Get to, just get to work really. It's a, you know, and if, if you really want to, if you really want to project on people, just show them you're not being useless and just kind of, you know, hammer something out. And that's kind of the, the uh, very aggressive <laughs> Ernest Hemingway <laughs> approach to it. But, um, that, that, that's just it, though. I mean, it's, it, it it really is un, as unglamorous as me just sitting at a laptop mumbling to myself, kind of my, my face, kind of like a you know that picture of Fry from Futurama. You know, I'm not sure if trolling or just stupid. That's my that's my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Make words. <laughs> no, I'm I'm terrible for I I usually I get my ideas in the shower. <laughs> well, why on occasion, if I, and that, that's the worst time to get them because you know, I'm out to run out and get get that. I get my notebook, which is all the way over the other room, and jot it down before it goes. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you get them in a dream, and you wake up, and it's gone. Yeah. Or you, or you think, ah, so I'll remember it in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's the curse. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 I'm in the habit of keeping a notebook on my bed. I'm on that note as well. It's kind of a, for that reason. I don't trust. I, I've made that mistake many times, and. You know, I'm not. I'm not letting a good idea die if it comes to me. <laughs> they're 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 really rare, and you can't let them get away. <laughs> and they're always the best ideas are the ones you don't remember. Yeah, they are. Or are they because you can't get them back? Oh, sweet sorrow. Mm. <laughs> well, they well, it may never be. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
So for anybody listening at home um, who's starting out, I always ask people this, and I know you, you've said, you know, develop a thick skin, but is there any other advice that you would give to people who are at home and thinking, you know, I want to be a writer? Um, I'd say read, read a great deal. Read everything from Shakespeare to, um, to what's on the back of, you know, the, the packet of cornflakes in the morning. Just read everything. Immerse, <laughs> immerse yourself in language. Um, try and write every day. Um, develop a schedule if you can. You know, I mean, we all have lives. We all have, you know, I, we, all have, we all have people we care for. We have dependents. We have family members. We have, if you don't, well, you know, try and, try and just force yourself into it. And I, as I say, develop a thick skin. But at the same time, don't beat yourself up. It's not, you know, try not to, if anything, this quarantine has taught us, it's not to beat ourselves up too much about being productive or anything else. And it's, um, I, I try to, it, there's a balance to be struck, I think. So try and try and find that balance if you can. And, um, and just try, and it whether it's three hours or 10 minutes or even five minutes, and you, if you get something out, well, that's, that, that counts too. I guess try and keep yourself up to date on what's going on inside and just, uh, Keep honing until you know it's right. Draft away, and then um, if if you want to workshop something, let people take on board what people are saying, and um, decide for yourself whether it's it's worth following. That's the really the best I can say. No, no, that's that's great advice. I think it, yeah, it's kind of universal. Mm. And uh, and I guess the and if you appear on podcasts, I mean, be sure to just uh, support your mates work. Them and do all, all that good stuff because you know it's better to be better to have solidarity than in competition. Well, this oh. is it, yeah. What else? What else can we go from here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's advice wise, I think that, that's all I can give. Just read a lot, develop a schedule if you can, and um, uh, don't beat yourself up too much. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's good advice for any art form, really. Mm. So before we go, um, is there anything else that you wanna you wanna chat about? Um, well, if you want, if you like what you're here today, I mean, I'll, uh, just, uh, I'll read out a short one if, if we have time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's a recent one I wrote. It's called uh, An Old Mercy. And um, it's uh, just brief background. Uh, a lot of the Navajo Nation in uh, northern Arizona um, has been hit pretty hard by COVID. And they set up a GoFundMe page. And the majority of people who donated were Irish because... During the famine, the Choctaw Nation uh, raised a lot of raised money to help with um, famine relief, and it's only in the last two weeks that um, Irish people uh, actually returned the favour. And um, so that's a that's a positive that's a positive thing to have happened in the last few months. I think so. This poem mm-hmm. is about that. It's called uh, "An Old Mercy." For once, the wind is shy in this arid season. What reason is there now to fear its parched growl? Hints of scattershot thunder, blizzards of red-blue light pulsing from the cop cars. Relief parcels are sent from food banks in Flagstone and Phoenix. Med supplies, water, history's bare footprints, loaded by masked volunteers off semi-trucks, pickups and SUVs, lining Route 89 freeway. But there's another gift to be found amid rocks, a totem trailing tears through blood and memory. Mid-May. Restrictions on the res, off the dark roads, border towns are addicted and afflicted by the same seasonal hunger in this painted desert, yet there's no telling when it will reach its finish. 
Out of Ara's humming furnace, out of tribal hurt we climb, out of coal we cough, out of sagebrush we are propelled toward death, out of the juniper's skeletal sway we absorb emergency, our flesh cooled by minerals piped from the water towers, beacons of hope switched off to preserve electricity. Out of red dust, an old mercy remembers and returns from an ocean and a continent away. The sun seems to say, follow me to Antelope Canyon, the moon's simmering counterpart. Follow me and understand. An avalanche of donations snowballs into thousands. GoFundMe page paying it forward to lift us out of shared starvation. And the shaven-headed mesa, molten in the haze, looms like a monument of sand-blasted reprieve in the valley, while turns range the stars and trace hints of a storm in the clouds' grey bulk above. O oh, distant friends, whom we may never meet, whose names we cannot list, out of mercy, may we survive. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. And that was, that, that's one of your more recent poems, is it? Yeah, that's a, that's a recent one. That's only the last, um, read, I read about that. I just remember reading about hearing the, about the, uh, the Navio Nation. And this was the, this was what, this is what I sat down to write, really. Um, that's amazing <laughs> thank you yeah I, like I, I remember reading that story recently as well and it's just the the way that you've put it down is wow <laughs> i bring the words that's, that's <laughs> you bring the words <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for for people listening at home then i know that you've you've provided quite a few links and we'll share them all on the description but where's the best place to keep up to date with you um well, I'm active on Facebook and Instagram and all those. I have a website as well. Uh, that's um, that should be up, and I keep that updated with what's happening. So, um, yeah, it's not not not. I don't mean like a blog. It's just kind of I just keep it updated with whatever's going on at the moment, which has been fairly, fairly few. So, so just there, yeah. All the all the social, all the main social media ones. Uh, Embers and Earth is on Spotify and uh, my ebook, chapbook, um, ebook, uh, Iceberg Relief. That's available on Amazon. Want to get that download and uh, yeah, that's the Google my name, you're bound to find something. <laughs> I'm on the Googles, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the Googles, just go Google me, <laughs> Daniel. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for anybody at home listening, definitely check out Daniel's work, he's fantastic, he does everything you can think of scripts, plays, all of that stuff. And if you enjoyed this episode of Doing It For The Exposure and would like to hear more in the future, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-I-F-T-E Podcast. You can also check out our stream on nerdtoknowmedia.com. We stream weekly on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to a Nerd To Know Media production. 